Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Two weeks ago, the market was in crisis mode. All was lost. I go on vacation for one week. I come back. I speak with Patrick O'Hare. All looks good again, Pat. What happened? What did I miss while I was away? What turned us around? Well, I think all your listeners would want you to be on vacation again, Rob. So, um, uh, but I'm That's glad how it works. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, you know, I, th- I think what turned around really was um, was just in- investor sentiment, frankly. Um, you know, it's, it's viewed as a contrarian indicator, and things really got um, pretty negative. You know, um, uh, basically anything that was coming out was viewed with a negative spin, and, uh, and there was good reason for it, but, you know, markets get into these oversold situations, they get into overbought situations, but at the point in time when you left, I think we were, you know, right in the mix of that oversold situation on a short-term basis, and so there was a willingness to come in and, and you know, uh, buy on that dip, and that's helped uh, turn sentiment a bit. Uh, and, you know, coincidentally, you know, it coincided with uh, oil retesting its uh, January low. And as oil prices came rising, um, rebounding sharply, uh, things just kind of followed suit with that. And it was just a general improvement in the tone. Uh, Mr. O'Hare, you work with briefing.com, and I really appreciate your, I'm not going to say simple nature, but your ability to turn financial content into digestible nuggets for people. Um what is it about the whole Janet Yellen thing that has me bothered? What is what, to me? It, it feels like she's kind of painted herself in a. I, I don't know. She's in a corner, but she's not in a corner. I'd like to see her go away. I'd like to see things go back to historical norms. Something just leaves me unsettled. Well, you know, I think you can uh, take your remarks probably back to Ben Bernanke for that matter. Um, I mean, this, the the Federal Reserve has just become a you know a, a whipping post uh for okay. you know good reason right um i will say partly in its defense the federal reserve is not really getting much help out of congress right and each fed official comes in all the you know bernanke said it and yellen has now said it it's like uh and then on the other side of the atlantic uh mario Draghi's bemoaning the lack of you know fiscal help over there but you know they keep pointing out like okay we're, we're we are. We we put all the stimulus in there, and we're not getting the the growth we want. We hope we're going to get it, but it kind of need your help too. And uh, and the Fed, you know, can really kind of only do so much. But what we've seen it do is a whole lot. Um, you know, historically speaking, here in terms of what it's done to expand the size of its balance sheet, in terms of what it's done to lower interest rates. And um, you do have to wonder, you know, how bad things would have been if those things were not put in place. But what we're running into now, I think, is a Fed that is essentially pushing on a string. And you have a Fed chair who is um, trying to sound an optimistic note, uh, but, you know, till recently, I think, hasn't had a whole lot of data to back up uh, that viewpoint. Um, starting to see some green shoots there, though, I think. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, it's just been a, a troubling wave of communication out of the, out of the Fed and, and the Fed chair uh, that has created a great deal of uncertainty here for uh, for the market. And so it's tough to kind of 
really embrace that leadership when uh, the market's always left to feel as if it's sort of twisting in the wind, waiting on each single piece of economic data to figure out if the world's most important central bank is going to do something at its next meeting. Today we saw the U.S. home sales climbed in January despite a weaker economy, and we also saw home prices rise at a solid clip in December. Um, Housing's been a plus to the U.S. economy. We saw Home Depot come out with pretty solid numbers this morning. Uh, What do you think the next direction is for housing? Does it continue to go higher, or does it finally break and uh, end its six-year run? Well, you know, it has been a a nice steady recovery, and, and I think that that's you know, the key word there is, is steady. Um, you know, my uh, thinking is that we continue to move up in terms of the recovery in, in, um, in the housing market. Uh, given, you know, that mortgage rates continue to remain extremely low, uh, and given that there's a lot of pent-up demand uh, that has not been satisfied because a lot of potential buyers have been restricted from, you know, making that home purchase, particularly potential first-time home buyers, by a lack of income growth. So if we can get the economy moving as the Fed suggests it will be moving in due time here, uh, we should likely see some better, uh, you know, income growth for these potential home buyers. And, uh, and I think that that could help, um, you know, keep things uh, on an upward footing. Um, so, you know, I don't think that, you know, we're likely to see you know, a collapse in housing but there's certainly some markets out there, uh, obviously, that um, are are overheated, um, where the 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 price gains that you're seeing on a year-over-year basis are are far outpacing the you know income gains in the area, and that that is not sustainable. Um, and so there's probably going to be some rolling corrections in certain markets. But overall, I think that the housing sector nationally uh, should continue on a steady uptrend. I saw a quote attributed to you yesterday in an article about Internet stocks or dot-com stocks potentially hitting a bubble and falling pretty hard, commenting on LinkedIn and another tech company that fell 40% after reporting earnings. Any thoughts on the Internet bubble? Um, are you seeing one? Or are you are you not? Uh, what's the direction going on there? Sure. Well, if I can borrow a, a, term, a phrase I just, you know, put out there, it's just a rolling correction, right? You have, uh, I don't think we're in the, you know, we're not in the same type of environment that we were back in the dot-com days where, you know, it's pretty much uh, throw a dart at something and you see an extreme valuation. But there's certainly pockets of the technology sector uh, where multiples have gotten, you know, carried away to the upside here. And, uh, in an environment where you're seeing uh, sluggish economic growth uh, and uh, a, you know Federal Reserve that's talking as if it would like to raise interest rates, um, we think this is a market that's not as willing to pay up for for growth at any price as it once used to be. Uh, it's looking for growth at reasonable prices, and so when companies like LinkedIn and Tableau, which is the other uh, company you're referring to, you know, when they came out and they reported their results, got absolutely clobbered, and I remarked that I hadn't seen reactions like that uh, really since the dot-com bubble burst. Um, so the market is is cognizant, I think, increasingly cognizant that, uh, that some of these momentum stocks uh, just got way too hot, and, uh, and if they disappoint and suggest that they're not going to live up to those very high growth expectations that were embedded in those premium multiples. They're going to pay a serious price for it. And so you have these rolling corrections and these uh, rolling bubble bursts 
uh, in certain areas. But overall, you know, there's still some, uh, you know, uh, good prospects that can be found there in the technology sector with, with quality companies. You look at a company like Facebook that had a tremendous report. Uh, it's hitting on all cylinders. Um, Alphabet, kind of the same way. You know, it's a good, comp- great company, well-managed. You know, these are stocks that are also somewhat counter-cyclical in nature because they're going to be still used extensively no matter what type of economic cycle that you're in. So, so there are opportunities out there still to be found. There's been a lot of talk recently about supply cuts in the United States, oil rig count for the oil industry lower last week while I was away. Is it too early to start trying to bottom fish for some of the oil investments out there? Well, I, first, I don't think so. You know, as far as we're, if you're talking true investing, right, we've seen in most of these mm-hmm. stocks get clobbered 50% plus, and, you know, energy is a cyclical business. Um, you know, probably one of the best cures for the supply glut are these low prices. Um, I don't think necessarily, you don't want to say that I think oil has found a bottom. It's just I think at this point in terms of the energy sector that, uh, there's not as much downside risk over the very long term now as there is potential for, you know, upside appreciation. So it's not a type of approach I would suggest where you go all in with all that cash you might have on the sidelines, but I think you start scaling into some of these beaten down names in the energy sectors for investment purposes. Um, you know, trading these stocks, uh, good luck, you know, because the, the commodity is so volatile these days and sentiment turns on a dime here. Uh, in the short term, and you really have to be, you know, an expert in market timing to to get those trades right. So, um, uh, but as an investor, I think there is some opportunity that's starting to avail itself. I'm cheek- speaking with Patrick O'Hare, chief market analyst with Briefing.com. I start every day by reading one of his page one columns. Anything that you're working on right now that you think should be added to this conversation while we wrap up? Well, yeah, I think you know we're back sort of in this in this market. I think uh, with the rebound we've seen, where everyone's kind of kind of falling back on this idea that you know these central banks are going to save the day again with more policy stimulus and and ignoring once again some of the fundamental realities out there where things just aren't so super. And I think um, you know one of the areas I'm going to try to highlight here in my big picture column is is what's going on with global trade. Um, I don't know if you attention to some of these export numbers that have come out out of all these major economies, the U.S. included, but they've been pretty lousy. Uh, and while there might not be a direct feedback loop to the U.S. because of that, there's a number of indirect connections that flow from those weak trade figures that I think could weigh on uh, GDP growth uh, and certainly weigh on financial market performance here as we look out to the rest of the year. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst with briefing.com. You can find him at briefing.com. I literally start every morning reading his column. It's maybe four paragraphs, four and a half paragraphs, nothing crazy. Uh, Totally digestible, but it gives you a really good view of what happened yesterday and what's going to happen today at the start of the markets. I highly recommend an independent source like briefing.com to help you with your investment portfolio investment ideas. I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial. Find me online at robblackshow.com. I'm